0: I don't believe that. Look at the news. People are running out to their restaurants, to their local businesses, regardless with masks. And let's stay out of that debate right this moment. Because when you go to a brick and mortar store, when you meet somebody, it's that gossamer thread that builds community. People who feel they matter, buy. It's that simple.
1: You're listening to Retail Remix. Your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. Hey everyone, Alicia here. So a few months back during NRF time, I had the chance to sit down with Carol Lehman of Exonify and Bob Phipps, the retail doctor. And we had a great conversation. We talked about the changing role of the store associate, the current pitfalls with employee training programs, and what new responsibilities will be added to associates' to-do lists as a result of new customer expectations and behaviors. Of course, as we were getting ready to prep the episode for airing, we were navigating the new realities surrounding the novel coronavirus. So obviously, a lot of the topics and takeaways were not as relevant to our listeners anymore. Thankfully, Carol and Bob were able to take the time out of their busy days to speak with me, um, basically to do a checkup of everything we talked about back in January and get to the heart of a lot of the conversations they're having around what the new customer experience in the store will look like and how that will lead to a domino effect of sorts around in-store training and enablement programs. There are so many layers to this conversation, a lot of different directions that we go in. So listen in if you're responsible for store strategy, employee training and empowerment, or are looking for ways to design a best-in-class store experience as your stores start to reopen, I think this conversation is a great place to start. So with that, let's dig in. Carol, Bob, thanks so much for taking the time out. It's always great to uh, catch up with the two of you.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, ditto. So I I guess to kick things off, I mean, we last got together, we were talking before we started recording. We last connected at NRF and we were just marveling at how much has uh, changed since our last conversation. So, I mean, let's start personally. I mean, how how are you guys doing? How are you faring in light of all of these new realities, all of the new changes and disruptions that are taking place both personally and, and professionally? How are you guys holding up? Well, I'm holding up great. Fortunately, nobody I
2: know has been sick. So uh, knock on wood, that remains true. And Exotify the business, we are doing well. We have really spent a lot of time and effort Helping our customers, particularly in the retail and hospitality sectors, navigate some of the challenges that they've been going through the last few months. So, very, very busy. And, you know, I can't say anything negative. We're, we're in pretty good shape and trying to keep our customers that
1: way. That's great. And, and Bob, I've seen you all over LinkedIn sharing your thoughts <laughs> and takes out on everything that's happening in, in retail. So, how, how are things going for you?
0: Well, I'm in upstate New York, so we are in phase one now and that's fine. And, uh, I think last week I spoke to three thousand people through all the different webinars that I have uh, had and and clients have asked for and you know my enduring power while i my speaking schedule is now wide open from cancellations for the rest of the year. I think there's a real need to have my blunt but practical voice on it's all about hope and if we don't fix this and if we go down a path where retail looks like a medical office, I think we're going to have some challenges. So I have, uh, you're right on LinkedIn, I've called out a lot of the outrageous claims, 90% of malls will close by next year. And all of these other things, it's like, you don't know what's going to happen. So why don't we plan on what we can do? And let's look at our employees and our customers in the way that says, this could actually be a better business than just reopening doors.
1: Yep. Yeah. You no, know, I'm glad that both of you are responding with A bit of optimism, right? Because when we look at all the headlines, and I say that as someone in media, um, you know, it's hard to not get jaded by all the negativity and all of the uncertainty that's kind of overtaking the the conversation. And Bob, you kind of started to answer my next question for you both, which is around... What issues are really rising to the top now in terms of retail, where it is today, where it could be going? So Bob, is it it safe to say that a lot of your conversations that you're having, a lot of the webinars that you're doing, is a lot of it more experience focused, like what the future of the store, future of the mall will look like? I mean, what's really top of mind for who you would consider your target audience right now?
0: Actually, my... Biggest part has been being a voice of reason and hope for an awful lot of brands and being able to say it has still got to be a more personal experience to go in a store. I think that, you know, as I was on a call this morning and somebody was going over the future of retail, it was going to be, you know, you're going to get out of your car and Valet is going to swipe your phone and you're going to have someone that meets you at the mall to do a temperature scan and you're going to have to have an appointment to get in and you'll go into the store and it'll all be contactless. Like, I don't know where you're, what planet you're living on, but There's no margin in retail right now. And this idea that we have got to look at the long term as this dangerous place to go. Retail is a mass market. Make no mistake, it only works. Restaurants only work. You know, if I've got 50 tables, they've got to turn over three times a night. To think that online is going to be the savior, I think is wrong. So I believe, yes, we have to take measures to be safe. But the reality is that, it's all a mass market and the other part of that i'm saying is that we are in the death of asked and answered retail which is that old way of what are you looking for it's here go get it and there's a certain amount of people that believe no one should talk to associates will talk to associates or want to talk to associates and again i think the smart brands that i'm talking to and are actually buying my online training realize that holy gosh I guess that customer experience is going to be table stakes and we have got to treat it seriously instead of saying, um, we'll get around to it. And I think Carol would probably support that as well.
1: Yeah, we're going to dig deeper into that for sure. So Carol, I mean, obviously the connecting point here is that you still need people to enable these experiences, support these experiences, to, to Bob's point. So, I mean, what kind of conversations are you having right now? Is it, you know, the more like, how do we start to open in, in a safe way, but also still meet our brand promise? Are, are there are folks looking more ahead? I mean, wh- where are, where are retailers' heads at right now? Exactly what
2: you just described. They're wanting, first of all, they're wanting to get open as quickly as possible. But how does that experience look for both the consumer, their customer, and the associate? So what are the things we need to change from how we approach customers, how we deliver on that brand promise, and at the same time make our customers and our guests feel extraordinarily safe and supported, knowing that they want to come back. I have lost count now in the last couple of weeks of the number of people who said to me, I can't wait to start to go back to this particular store or just have the experience of being, you know, looking around and spending some time shopping. So creating that experience and doing it in the right way that keeps people feeling safe, both your own employees and your guests or customers is what everybody's thinking about right now.
1: That's great. Uh, And Bob, I want to go back to your point around, how people are presenting or painting this picture of, you know, the future, obviously very digitally focused. Like people are saying like, oh, the valet, the curbside pickup, signing up to schedule appointments. We're we're seeing some actual applications of that now with retailers like Best Buy. But I mean, what's your take on the role and importance of people? Like what's going to be required? Like if we do end up taking more of that tech-driven approach, I guess my question for you is what's required to kind of close the gap between the people and the tech, right? Because employees do need to be able to use the technology, need to support the experiences, so on and so forth. So is it going to be all about enablement moving forward? Is it going to be about staffing up to hire for specific roles, like logistics roles, experience-type roles? Where do you think the the workforce trend or, or workforce issues are, are going to be going moving forward?
0: Well, I think it's going to, unfortunately, I think that retail experts are going to be polarized, like we're seeing in the health dynamic with states opening and not opening. You know, this idea that we're going to have a bathroom attendant now, every time someone goes to the bathroom, it has to be sanitized. And we're going to have elevator operators and valets. And it's like who's paying for all this Right, because all we're hearing is that these retail stores have no money. They're in debt. They have cut down number of people in the store and number of shoppers. Look, you're going to have to sell your way out of this. There's no two ways about it, you know, and people are using this time to now advance their own agendas. Right. So everyone's going to be online. Uh, another research last week uh, changed for age. Ninety percent of people want to shop online. I don't believe that. Look at the news. People are running out to the restaurants, to their local businesses, regardless with masks. And let's stay out of that debate r- right this moment, because when you go to a brick and mortar store, When you meet somebody, it's that gossamer thread that builds community. People who feel they matter, buy. It's that simple. That hasn't changed. That's no different than when Philadelphia had Wanamakers and all the way up to the smallest boutiques. And... The reality is 100 years ago, we lost 675,000 people in the pandemic of Spanish flu, and we were told shopping and living will never be the same. And a year later, Americans were crowded into speakeasies and drinking bathtub gin. So this idea that we are these creatures that are going to morph into all of that, I think is a shame because retail exists to answer one question, which is what's new? And we go out to a store because we have hope. I just want to get the girl. I want to get the guy. I had a baby. I got a divorce. We're getting married. And they're walking into a store in hope. And if your store devolves into this medical community with everyone in mass and afraid to touch anyone, and you haven't trained your employees, they're going to be afraid of customers and they're going to be asked and answered retail on steroids, which is really going to cripple margin. Because the problem is people that don't train clerk. And why is that a problem? Because look at the bike industry right now. There was a story in New York Times two days ago. I'm a little passionate in case you didn't know that. Sorry. But two days ago, (laughs) there was a story about how all the entry-level bikes are all sold out. And people were like, isn't that amazing? And it's like, no, it tells me you have no sales process because any merchant would realize we have to sell the entry, the medium, and the more expensive equally. And that takes training. And that takes training to how do I get a person who is now more distrustful than ever to lower their guard to allow us to have that conversation. And that only comes from training, training the soft skills of how do I engage another human being? How do I build enough rapport that they can let down their guard? How do I go through compare and contrast and get them to buy everything and more than they initially thought? That's the power of a brick and mortar retail. Curbside is not. I'm going to drive up to the curb and someone's going to put something in my trunk. It might as well, am I on the schedule today? Am I the delivery boy? No, I'm the consumer. I want you to be able to use your great merchandising skills, your sales abilities to wow me and to discover something I didn't even know I wanted. And that takes training.
1: Carol, what's your take? By the way, Bob, I admire your passion. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Carol, I'm, I'm sure you're you're equally passionate about you know where, where the future uh, of the associate is going, the emphasis on training, and I think Bob brings up an interesting point around you know people kind of having their guard up right now, but at the same time yearning for some sort of normalcy, right? I mean, I, I have a target close by to me, and, and I'm not going to lie, I took the long way to where I needed to get to just to like be in the aisles and be around other people, but at the same time, there is that sense of uncertainty, like kind of being like a little extra cautious. So I mean, where do you think this is going to go? Like as far as getting people to let their guard down, start to be more engaged with associates, what's required from an associate training and and enablement standpoint? Because I feel like the conversations are going to be so different moving forward. I couldn't be in more violent agreement with Bob
2: and the view that he just expressed. It is so imperative that retailers think about deeply, what does that customer experience need to look like going forward? And how do I need to enable the associates to provide that level of safety and comfort and support and sales, proactive sales that is going to, Bring the guards down, have people want to be in my place of business and to spend money with me. People are going to want to spend money. And so, to the extent that you can create an experience for them, which starts with the associate every single time, you're going to be the winner in this. And it isn't just saying, well, you need to say this, or you need to do that. There, there are some deep topic areas that need to be thought through carefully and deeply and trained on to create that superlative experience that's going to set you apart from all the other places that are simply just going to open their doors and let people in it. And it does require training and a different kind of training, a much broader, enhanced, deeper, thoughtful training than anything that's been done in the past. So yeah, I share Bob's passion. It isn't just going to magically happen on its own. There's going to need to be effort put to this. And like I say, it all starts with the associate and there needs to be a focus on this and quickly so that you don't lose the opportunity as things start to reopen.
0: I want to just jump in real quick on that because I think we're at the end of the asked and answered, mindless, anyone to work for, low wages retail. I think we are on the cusp of a retail renaissance, of a retail professional, people who actually could make a career, make a living, who made either a commission or a bonus because they did such a great job. I bought a very expensive pair of jeans, Kitten, a chiton, I never know how to say their name, in San Francisco from a woman who. I got in an elevator with this woman and I'm going up to the fifth Florida men's sportswear. She's asking about what I do. I'm a retail doctor. We're going through have this pleasant chat. And then I find out she works there. gives me a quick tour, shows me these jeans. I go, there's no way I'm ever buying these jeans. Cause I've sold jeans. They don't cost this much to make a long story short. I had the tailor. I ended up uh, getting fitted. We take a quick ride down the elevator. We get to the place to pay and we're having a very nice conversation with Kathy. She's the salesperson. And, uh, I said, so you'll send them to me in a couple of weeks. She goes, no, they're right here. They're ready. Wow. I was like, what? And she goes, (laughs) they're ready. She's been there 35 years, Alicia. She's a great salesperson. She knows her job. I loved her. And if you go to Wilkes-Bashford in San Francisco, I'm sure she's still there. It's amazing. Well, that's what a retail professional is. And while I'm at it, Maybe this is the time that the restaurants will finally realize that the professional server has been dished and treated poorly in the last several years. And can we get past someone who says, Any allergies at the table? These are our specials. I'll be back. Your job is to make my dining experience exceptional, just like a retail salesperson. Your job is to make me feel for that minute I'm the most important person in the world. And that's going to take training. No one naturally does it. You can make anyone be able. Able to be a great, and I are a salesperson. I'm sorry, not a customer service person. They're not all guests. If you're a guest at my home for Thanksgiving, I'm not asking you to buy the pumpkin pie at the end of the deal. You're here to sell. Right? So let's call it that and let's empower people to know what they're supposed to do and not do and ultimately reward them. And let's lift the entire profession to say that bricks and mortar matters because they're the ones that get those gossamer threads between people that builds community. I don't want to be alone in my house for the next two or three months and order everything from some online place and settle when I have the whole world at my feet when I go to a mall. And while I'm at it, how many people actually are getting. COVID at a mall or at a store. Let's have a little perspective here. Let's make sure that we don't get caught in the, my God, it's everywhere. We're all going to die. Let's take steps, of course, but your job is to make shopping fun.
1: Yeah. And I want to go back to your point around the hopeful, hopefully shift and in, in perception of the store associate, because I almost wonder if it, it almost created a a loop of sorts so for a long time you know store associates it was just kind of like a starter job a lot of young kids trying to get part time work or or something like that so and they all, weren't getting paid a lot you know just enough for you know where they were in their lives but also at the same time it's not a lot of money so they don't feel totally engaged and compelled to do a good job so it co- almost creates like this loop right so i'm wondering your take on how the associate role is going to be perceived on a broader scale moving forward because of the current situation, right? We're seeing more people, rightfully so, praise frontline workers, praise you know the the grocery store associates, the people at Target, Target, Walmart, et cetera, you know, fulfilling orders, checking people out, and again, rightfully so, the, these employees are being praised for helping us through this in any way that they can. I'm wondering, I guess almost hoping that that you'll feel like this recognition, this appreciation is going to be extended, which will almost lead to a chain effect. Like, okay, we need to treat these people better in terms of salary. And oh yeah, we need to empower them more so they can do their jobs better. Oh great. They're more successful. So what can we continue to do to engage them? You know what I mean? Like, I'm wondering if this is going to spark or inspire a chain effect in terms of how we broadly as humans treat people in the store. I know this is a bit of a tangent, but I, I feel like they're almost connected in a way. I would love to jump in and, and talk about this yeah. because
2: this is in fact uh, a real, you know, be in my bonnet. I think that, and I I agree, I think the tide is turning and I hope it's a sustainable change. I think for years, retail associates have been treated almost like disposable people. They come, they stay for three months, they leave. And so let's not actively put any kind of investment in them. Let's expect them to turn over frequently. So how can we minimize the cost associated with these people? And unlike other businesses who try to attract and retain people by growing them and investing in them and giving them career paths, for whatever reason, historically, retail associates have not been looked at in that way. And I think that this whole global pandemic has put a different lens on the value we all place on these people and it is the case and we're starting to see this in our retail base of customers the cost of turnover is astronomical and when you compare it to investing in developing that individual to have a career path and paying them slightly more and giving them opportunities to excel and grow, the reward to the business both in increased sales because of happier people and also the lack of cost of needing to hire and rehire and hire again all within the same 12 month period When you look at those things, the cost of investing in them and treating them almost like long-term, salaried, valuable people is far outweighed by the cost of having them disappear on and on and on. So... We're starting to see some of our retail customers shift their thinking in this way. And it's such a welcome change. We hope it's sustainable. And and we're certainly trying to do whatever we can to support that growth training and upskilling so people can stay with the organizations a lot longer than has historically
1: been the case. Right. Because the more engaged that they are in the brand, they start to think, Bigger, right? Like, okay, what do I want to do? You know, once I graduate college, or once I'm in this role for a few years, like, what's the next step? And that leads to opportunities for, you know, leadership, whether it's store manager or, or someone else to kind of take on that mentorship role, but also guide them to that next stage in their career. I mean, we we've seen cases of, of high level retail executives that have been with their companies for going on two decades, right? So, I mean, it is possible, but it feels like it hasn't been as much of a priority. I mean, Bob, I'm curious to, to hear what your take is. Do you think that this emphasis on the associate en- engagement side, like a more deep and personal engagement story is, is required to kind of get to that level of experience that you're hoping that the industry will will get to?
0: Well, I kind of want to go back to what you'd said about these are all frontline workers or heroes. They didn't have a choice. They want, They have a job. The job is hourly. If you want to be here, that's it. I was reading an article of guy. His title was, uh, I'm not a hero. I work at a grocery store. And I thought that was really interesting because he wanted to make the understanding that if I want to eat, I have to go here. I think that the the challenge for a lot of retailers is there's been such a move to get rid of full-time employee and make everybody part-time. So you have people working one, two, three days a week, you know, three or four hours at a time. And there's not going to be much loyalty to that. But now you're going to, you know, not just say wait on people, which is what most of them would say, but you're also pulling digital orders. And now you're probably going to have to be cleaning after everybody touches something. And, you know, it's the idea as well, you know, they just have to do less with more. We have cut, past the fat past the muscle into the very bones of most of these brands and you know when i started uh, alicia many years ago put myself through college and i started the broadway department store which is in los angeles and i had a two-week training before i ever even got on the floor you had to go every day monday through friday for six hours. And even then, you were watched like a hawk. You know, and I remember I was putting I those in men's furnishings and I was putting out wallets and this my boss, this, you know, silverhead lady, she goes, Most important thing is a customer to make their shopping worthwhile with us. And I was like, Wow. And then they had a, a blanket sale. And I was like, Well, big deal. We don't work in blankets. She's like, Oh, no, no, no. We have to beat downtown because downtown, we were we were second to them. And so everybody's got to sell the blankets. And there was this whole idea of, wow, we could have fun and it's about selling. And that's probably where I got my whole idea that it is about the customer and it is about being able to, to meet this. But that career path, I think, you know, Carol and I both see it. We're both trainers. You know, Exonify uses my training and the, with their retail. We just announced that in the last few weeks. I have my online training and in-person training. And we believe it. But there's a lot of people that will still hold on to this less is more idea that, oh, well, somebody worked in a retail store, they'll be trained. And all that means is their bad habits from somebody else are gonna be on your floor. I mean, the question that nobody's really got to yet is that what happens if we are still locked into this place where brick and mortar stores are at 50% of capacity as we come into the fall? What do we do? Because it won't be a matter of, we need more friends and family, 20% off, 30% off you're going to have to increase conversions because anyone walking to the store now, they're not browsers. They are committed, right? They left their house knowing the risk, wearing a mask, they're going out. So are you meeting them with the idea that we have to get everything, not just the one thing they came in for? And I think the smart ones, you know we're hearing that the boutiques, the ones that are going to bring that back. And I think you know, if I was a struggling retailer and I'd lost a billion dollars in sales because I was closed for two months, I would say, where is the easy money? And the easy money is always going to come back to training because it touches every single person. It's going to touch every customer. It's going to touch every, every employee. And ultimately, it builds hope. And, you know, I do a whole speech about building hope right now, and it starts from having gratitude. But your employees have got to be the most hopeful people out there. And if they aren't, if that cynical, you know, laughing about stuff or whatever that they used to be able to get in the corner and, you know, laugh at customers, that's done. Because one, they can't be that close to them, but also you're going to have to reset. It's about the customer. And I know it sounds easy, but being brilliant on the basics is what it comes to. And that's why, you know, a platform like Exonify that can do little bite-sized training and the way that they've accomplished it. And certainly the way that big brands have embraced it is to realize, oh, so it's really up to us, not the customers. And that's the key. It's not about the customers. It's about what you bring to the table.
1: Yeah, So I'm wondering what that is going to look like moving forward, because obviously now it's kind of hard to gauge or or put a pulse on, you know, this is what it's going to be like moving forward. Um, And and we're we're probably not going to get to that point for a while. But I'm thinking more through the lens of the employee's day and the training that is required because we're, we're all kind of, you know, talking about how, you know, there is going to be, or there should be a greater emphasis on training that's going to be more expansive, a wider variety of topics. I know in our last conversation, we talked about the expanding to-do list, right? Of the normal associate. So I'm wondering like in your minds, what that training list or that topical list of to-dos is going to look like? Because Bob, to your point, I know that there are experience gaps with say like a curbside pickup, but it will likely be a reality and continue to be a reality for, for a lot of brands. So I guess looking at it through the lens of like what training will look like moving forward, what will that include? Like what will need to be on that list to get associates fully up and running and empowered to do their jobs well. I mean, Carol, do you have a take on the, based on the conversations that you're having right now?
2: Yeah, for sure. I can tell you that when this whole situation hit, you know, 10 weeks ago, our retail customers immediately looked to us for current topical content related to everything COVID. So, you know, all of the stuff you could easily imagine from cleanliness, wiping things down, and I'm speaking, you know, to grocery retailers who are still open, you know, to even those that were closed or had furloughed employees, what do we need them to know to physically stay safe? So there's a myriad of topics there that frankly, I don't think will ever really go away. It's going to become just part of what you do day in and day out. But then, you know, to to a lot of the things Bob mentioned, we're also seeing a drive to how do we change, create, improve the customer experience in the store so that it is irresistible and they want to come back and they do differentiate it from the online experience. So what are the different things we need to be thinking about and instilling in the associates So that it isn't just the same old, you know, do you need a different size in that shirt? Let me put that in the changing room for you. Those sorts of standard things. How do you really make it an experience for the customer that they want to have over and over again? And that involves a different type of training and deeper, more personal interaction topics than just that standard one size fits all kind of historical training. So we're seeing it across the board, you know, in terms of expansion of thinking, all and also, you know, what do we need to do to comply with regulation? But then also how do we sustain and get our customers back and grow our customer base?
0: No one's gonna come back because you spritz their hands with sanitizer. No one's gonna come back because you've gone through and did a temperature check at their, you know, it's almost like we're putting in barriers to shopping. And so the way that brands handle that and think through it and understand, oh, okay, so if we do wear a mask, we have to over accentuate and really make sure that we are actively listening. So we're actually uh, re-stating what we think someone hears. Those are all big markers. And the other part that is kind of lost is, most brick-and-mortar retailers, I don't think, have really been in the accountability business. So they have a training program or they'll say, oh, you know, we have a DVD, it's 30 minutes. Well, that's not a training program. I don't know what it is, somebody in a training department looking for uh, justifying their job. Ultimately, you have to train and engage their minds every day and then hold them accountable. If you say you're going to say X, Y, and Z, then do it. And that's got to be beyond, do you want a, a extended warranty on this, right? Because some things people go through and train really hard. Like, Oh, it used to be signing on the back of credit cards. Like those are meaningless. Those don't add money to the table. You really have to look at those soft skills to be able to have an elevated retail professional. And that is going to be somebody who's not going to work for part-time, but you know, with 20 million people out of work in the U S alone right now, now is the time that you're going to be able to find them. And this could be the site. I believe we're in the in the throes of a new hedonism. I think that the luxury items, uh, more expensive items will absolutely be looked at. But if they're met with uh, employees who, let's face it, probably can't afford it themselves and pours water on our initial interest, then I think it becomes just circling the drain because without margin, none of this works. Without conversion, none of this works. And without employees who give a damn, none of it works.
1: No, totally, totally fair. Good points. Sorry, Carol. Go ahead.
2: I was going to say, I think also, you know, there's going to be an element in the early days of reopening where from a soft skills training perspective, you know, what you just said, Bob, reminded me of this. We are starting to see asks around having associates deal with customers in the store who are upset with other customers. And so how do you deal with that sensitively? You know, make sure that it is, again, the experience that everybody wants to have and get through this sort of initial phase of there's going to be some upset potentially. How do we as a brand elevate the experience again and have those customers feel like our associates have their best interests at heart and want to resolve this for the best of everybody? So a little bit of that, you know, management of risk and customer interactions within your store that your associate might not have ever had to experience before so that takes soft skills training it takes maturity it takes you know a, a different level of thinking than what they were expected to do previously
0: well and that's a great point carol because realistically uh, i haven't had to deal with somebody walking into my store like a guy at a walmart had, where a guy walks in with a kkk white hood on saying that's my mask or people who are getting in altercations with employees about it and this is where i come back to and i think carol you would agree with me as well that if you have not been talking to your employees and you, it's a, you know, here's your sign in, here's what you have to wear, here's your break schedule, then you're leaving them alone on your sales floor to go to battle with, because there seems to be a battle brewing and using retail as the fulcrum that anyone using a mask or not using a mask or asking for compliance and social distancing, people who are actually challenging people to not social distance. This is a world we never thought. That's not it. But if you leave your employees alone to figure it out, and especially someone who has not been trained, then your brand may end up on the local news for the simple reason that you didn't think it was important enough to role play and to hold people accountable and to think through these processes. So all of that is in the mix. But I just want to be really careful that we don't, again, think that, 90% of our customers are coming in to do battle with us and are afraid of dying and want to get the hell in and out and really are not there to engage. If that's the case, they would not have come out of their house.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting time right now as we see some of those scenarios start to play out, some of the conflict that's happening in some stores. But, you know, here's hoping that that's not going to be a a constant or a reality. But I I think the, the key thing to take out of this phase of our conversation is that emphasis on softer skills, which I'm really glad that came up organically because I'm wondering, especially now, like we always say like, oh, you have to get inside the minds of your shoppers, like what they're thinking and what they're feeling. But now, especially, it seems like that emotional IQ, so to speak, that empathy training and, you know, going a little bit deeper than, you know, the high level talking points or the high level questions you ask just to move them along the shopping journey. It seems like there needs to be much more to not only serve the customer and create that good experience but also make them feel a bit more at ease, more comfortable, really getting to that heart of the relationship building again it seems. So like an emphasis on on empathy and and that understanding now more than ever.
2: Totally agree and you know it is a unique combination and it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people that unique combination of I'm here to do a job which is to sell merchandise but being a human being about it at the same time. And it can swing to the, I just need to sell stuff in a almost a non-human way or a non-engaging way. And I think now is an opportune time to blend the need for both of those things. You know, if nothing else, this experience has humanized all of us and given us an appreciation for, all the people we don't often think about as we go about our daily lives and run in and and buy something and run out. So I do think that the human aspect of it combined with having superlative skills to execute on a job for the person that employs you, those are going to be the best associates and the best retailers who really are the winners out of this.
1: So my, my final question before we start to close things out and you know I'm gonna ask you guys to share some high level recommendations and takeaways for everyone listening right now. But my final question is, I, I guess probably a bit more <laughs> tactical than what we've talked about most, most of our conversation today is um, you know, from a typical planning perspective, you know, I'm putting my editorial hat on right now, I'm thinking, you know, we're getting into summertime, which in normal um, no, a normal timeline, we'd be having conversations around back to school and holiday. you know, that's the quote unquote norm or the normal way of doing things. But because we are just now starting to get into reopening, kind of starting, Or resetting what the parameters of the the in-store experience will look like, how to best train and prepare employees, really adapting to a new reality in a lot of ways. Do you guys expect to see the typical uptick in in hiring or the rush to staff up stores in a typical sense, right? Like as we start to get into like the typical holiday timeframe, or are we gonna be resetting in all areas of the store experience and empowering employees. Again, just trying to put my planning hat on, like what retailers should be thinking about in the the weeks and, and months to come.
0: Did you want to jump on that, Carol, or you want me to jump first?
1: You go ahead, Damn Bob. I- <laughs> <laughs> well, then let,
0: let me start. I, I would say... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I would just say that, you know, the reality is with so many stores closing that most major brands will be trying to consolidate them from people that already work for them. So that that's, I think their issue would try to be to try to hold on to some people who may not. I think that most brands are going to take this a couple weeks at a time. It's really hard to know what the heck to be buying, to be planning for, what does holiday look like if we're worried about things. But the smart brands still come back to, I can't control the future, but I can control right now. And what's going on on my sales floor and what are my employees saying? And being having that dialogue, knowing exactly what's going on with them, realize that the manager's job is to help these people remain hopeful, even though it's gonna be stressful. And then ultimately our KPIs that used to work aren't going to work for a while. So, you know, it's almost what I'm saying to most of my clients is you've opened a new business. You're not reopening an old one. You can actually open a better one. But, you know, when you first opened or centuries ago, they would have been thrilled. Somebody walked in the door and spent time keeping them there and answering any questions they had. Well, we're probably going to to rediscover that for a while and then gradually add people. But we've seen the bean counters at work before, um, where they won't notice if there's only four people on a floor of a major department store, they will. And that's why people had stopped coming back. So when people say the department store model is broken, you know, when you realize J.C. JCPenney, I think had uh, twice as many people employed than they do now on their, in their actual stores. So is it a wonder that people haven't found that it's, you know, with a bunch of missteps that it hasn't been a thoroughly satisfying experience. So I think that it is going to have to be on a case by case basis. I think you are going to have to look at it, but just make sure that you realize this is a time we can actually increase our standards instead of settling. You know, the one thing about hiring that I'll shut up so that Carol has a chance, everything changed, you know, February, unemployment, two, three percent, now unemployment, 20 percent. Suddenly, the retailer's in the driver's wheel. So you hold people accountable, you give them training, and those who want to join you and want to be 100% behind it and bring back business and bring back hope and be excited to work there, awesome. But if they don't, then make sure that you're not holding on to it and saying, well, they'll get better. If they weren't shaken before to say, I can't operate this way like you were, Then I think that now is the time that you can really shift the dialogue to say, this is what we're going to do. Here's who we want to be. And those who want to go with us, let's go forward.
2: Completely agree with that. And the only thing I would add is that, you know, certainly if this situation had been a two or three or even four week duration, a lot of retailers would have jumped to just get back to the way it was. Uh, Rehire everybody, you know, continue business as usual. And I think as the weeks have gone on, it really has given people a pause and the realization that, no, there are some fundamental, deep-rooted things from a business model perspective and from an associate training perspective that are essential to our success going forward. And we do have the opportunity to reinvent a lot of the way we think about these things, in order to lay that foundation for future success. So we're seeing a very measured approach in our customers to how they think about what that go forward looks like, how many people they bring back, how they train them, what their expectations of those folks are. It it really is, we see a sea change of difference happening. And and I think it's gonna end up in a very good place.
1: Well, Carol, Bob, thanks again so much for uh, taking the time out. It was good to just catch up, do a bit of a level level set from our last conversation um, around NRF time where things, I I think, look completely different (laughs) than they do today. So I think our conversation was extremely insightful for everyone listening. But before we say goodbye, I always try to you know, get folks to share any final tips or takeaways, calls to action, so to speak, to really get all the executives listening to think about their go forward plans and strategies, because we can talk about all of the uncertainty, what's happening now, all the factors up in the air. But I I think a lot of folks now are looking for ways to set their paths forward. So Bob, I'll I'll start with you. Any closing thoughts, um, takeaways for everyone listening?
0: You don't have the luxury of of a negative thought right now. Realistically, you have got to find hope. And it's going to sound simplistic, but I've, I've had to discover it after 2008 when I lost four of my biggest clients and had a house in California. I was trying to sell and bought one in New York. And I had to find what it meant for me to set my true north to be hopeful because in hope I'm fearless. And I'm telling you, the news is going to be scary. And we get that people are going out of business. But the CEOs, level up, put on your big boy, big girl pants, and you're supposed to provide hope to your employees and to all those people who are out there saying, we need malls, we need jobs. One in four jobs is associated with retail. Now is not the time to go quiet and just let the financial markets talk about how it's struggling. You need to get out there and say, the opportunity is here. We've got a plan. We are going to fight for our customers. Anything less, you don't deserve to be there in the C-suite. Great.
1: Carol? Yeah.
2: So I'll tell you a story from one of our customers. When this all happened, as is typical, retail associates were furloughed, they went home, and the organization, like most, had no way to communicate on a daily basis with these associates easily. And this one customer said, the ability to keep them training on a daily basis through our platform and communicate key messages to them as we navigate these uncharted waters has saved our bacon. And it has caused me to realize that the last thing I want to do is whenever this does end, have to suddenly rehire thousands of people that I've lost connections with over 10, 12, 14 weeks. So the value of these individuals to your business has been largely underestimated for years. And we're hoping that this event has elevated the value of those individuals in a way that is sustainable long-term. And they deserve it. And there are ways to do it. And there are ways that are the best for you as a business financially that make long-term sense all the way around for your customers, for your associates, for your business in general. So think about the opportunities to do that. Don't just go back to business as usual.
1: love that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're all people, we're craving that connection. And I think that will drive the value for retailers being able to you know, re-engage reengage. As associates and and start to paint that picture for what they can do, what they can bring to the table to drive the business forward. Um, a lot of what we talked about today, I think, poses a lot of great opportunities, great ideas, hopefully, for all of the retail executives listening today. So with that, Carol, Bob, thanks again so much for taking the time out. It's always great to hear all of the different conversations that are taking place, all of the ideas that are being shared. I think now more than ever, you know, the industry needs to come together from all sides to start to paint a picture of of what this world will look like moving forward. So I think having that that hope as the foundation or the underpinning of all these conversations will only lead to productive outcomes. So thank you both so much for uh, taking the time out to speak with me today. Thanks. Thanks, Alicia. And uh, thanks everyone out there for listening. Take care and uh, be safe and well. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.